0: All right, listeners, it is Psycho Billy Power Hour. Fire up those flaming hearts, turn over that hot rod, and get ready for day 13 of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial.
1: (laughs) Did you do that because I said Lucky 13 and you were thinking of the bar in San Francisco Lucky 13?
0: I was indeed thinking of the Psycho Billy Bar Lucky 13. Unfortunately, it burned down because someone's V8 turned over too much and then- the gas emitted from there. Several you people. You know what
1: there. people say when you get something like that, right? Mm. Nailed it. Could you please Maxwell. Maxwell, Could you please
0: And you know who else said nailed it? it was the Roman who hung up Jesus Christ uh, to the that cross bar there. That sucks, by the way. Yes, that was awful. I actually only went there one time ever, which is lucky for me. I lucky think I've been
1: there like for me. yeah twice. There's li- listeners. Um, Liz went to Cafe du Nord. You always ended up having to go there and like wait.
0: Well, a lot of people don't know this, but Liz actually used to be one mm. of the foremost psychobilly <laughs> practitioners in the San Francisco Bay Area. You know the shoe, the creeper. If you-, you
1: know, you joke, but I rocked creepers, and I and they were cute.
0: All right, this is what this, you're trying to undercut my insult because I was about to say Liz wore creepers, but then you they just were more like a fashion
1: it. creeper. Yeah, well, I didn't do the full. What's well, the UK brand called? What's it? Creeper, Doc Martin. No, the creeper brand. There's I don't like know. one that no, I didn't I didn't wear those. I wasn't serious.
0: Well, I'm a seer I'm serious about wearing creepers.
1: Why so serious, Brace?
0: Alright, well, ladies and gentlemen, let me descend the old timey microphones from the ceiling. Uh wrap my fingers around it in a caressing manner and slick back the pompadour. My name is Brace Belden.
1: I'm Liz. Uh we are of course, as always, joined by producer Yam Chomsky. You are listening to True Anon. And as you probably can hear, I'm still unfortunately under the weather, which means that I missed court today. Sad face. And had to follow along with all the plebes at home on Twitter.com while Brace was deep infiltration, deep cover on the inside.
0: Yeah, they actually let me on the defense team today, and the marshal <laughs> let me hold his gun.
1: You were wearing your Gullane wig, though. Yeah, which is they confused you. Which was that yes. was the smart move.
0: It was. It was. I know. I. I my my choppy bob, as they uh, as they <laughs> call it. It's my British nickname.
1: So little today, sassy
0: shag today, little Lizzie was the closing arguments. I know, big day. Mm-hmm. And uh, boy. You know my whole thing about court is like, listen, we're all here to get along. Not sure why you guys are arguing, but they argued today. They they were nasty towards each other.
1: Really, gloves off.
0: Well, we got we had here what I call a a tri broad pileup. We had Miss mm-hmm. Mo. That's awful.
1: That's yeah.
0: awful. Well, it's a legal term. We had uh, Miss Mo uh, up up for the uh, prosecution. We had the defense represented by, and I gotta say. Can't really describe her. I was actually talking to a, uh, a another uh, court attendee today about this today. It is difficult for me as a man to describe Laura Menninger in yeah, her mannerism. Yeah, because it'll be
1: misogynist.
0: There, it's an, even in just an accurate, objective way, all of the adjectives and verbs that one could use, and really nouns too, that one could use to describe her, not great.
1: Here's what I'll say. Mm-hmm. If you are familiar with Ann Coulter's oeuvre, Yes, you might be familiar with Laura Menninger's style.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me. Yeah, let me just say the uh, and I, you know, sort of uh, correcting myself a little. Mea culpa from last episode. Ooh, Nag, mea the, culpa. The, the Nags Head Pub is not named after Liz. The Nags Head Pub is named after Laura Menninger's flapping jaws. Because boy, does that the um. Uh oh, those are some words that come to mind when talking to her. And then the uh, for the for the second punch from the prosecution, we had Marine Comey up there in her best uh, theater kid persona. I do oh, no. say is the best way to describe it. I know, but strangely, I think it was uh, not on me, but possibly on other onlookers. Theater kid is
1: not good. I don't like hearing that.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's what it brought to mind, and believe me, mm, I was not the only one to think that. In fact many people remarked upon it. So not even just being a jerk right now. Um, But yeah, last day and uh, now, not actually the last day of the trial, but now the jury is uh, sequestered, not actually sequestered, but they are sequestered during the day in deliberations until returning with a verdict.
1: Which can that happen just any time? So I'm
0: sure that there are psychotic Mentally unwell listeners who have been, I, I, no doubt, messaging the show. Where's the podcast for tonight? Are wondering. I'm. Out, we're actually recording later today, uh, because I stayed at the court late because the jury started deliberations tonight and was sequestered until about an hour and a half after we usually get out. Hour hour. So yeah, it, it can happen fast, but I don't think it will. But I like guess
1: so. Tom- yeah. So tomorrow. So okay. Let's pan pan out. There's no court. Court is not in session. It's a federal holiday Thursday and Friday because of Christmas, correct?
0: Yes. Court is not in session Thursday and Friday, yeah.
1: So the jury could come back any at any point Tuesday or Wednesday with a verdict or not. Yes. Now, if they were to come back, how do you find out about it? Like, what's the well, plan of attack here?
0: So... The dark cowboy is going to be riding his little uh, pony up and down the corridors, the Southern District of New York, Thurgood Marshall Courthouse tomorrow, uh, because uh, we're just going to be waiting there, mm. and then the, they're going to call everyone in if the jury comes to it. Do you have any conclusion. UNO? Do you have UNO? What's like the, the card games?:
1: Could no. be fun.
0: No. With um, the marshals
1: or something.
0: No, and unfortunately, uh, the Marshals confiscated my Switch and called me a soy bug man while they were doing it. So no, I, I actually, I'm, I'm reading- <laughs> Do um, they still make those? Nintendo Switch? Yeah, I think it just, didn't it like just come out? Like not that long? Wait,
1: ago? what's the, okay.
0: Game Boy you're thinking of?
1: No, what was the one between that?
0: The Dreamcast?
1: No. The,
0: the Wii? The Wii. No. Okay, well- The little we handheld just, one. Yeah, we, literally, we just named all of them. NDS, wasn't it? NDS,
1: the Wii U. No, I think it was the Switch. I was thinking of the 3DS, but it was a long time ago. Oh, the 3DS, the (laughs) 3DS. Yes. Well, I can't remember.
0: Anyways, I yeah. So basically, just gonna be hanging out there um, and waiting. I have I have uh, uh, I got a Philip K. Dick stack of Philip K. Dick books from my dad that I'm gonna bring. That's nice. Yes. but yeah, basically, I mean, so here's the thing: I was I was talking to some veteran court reporters about how long it can take, and obviously, it is a gamble, right? Because jury's makeup's different, you don't you never know. There's so many factors in it. There's no way to really predict. Um, I'm thinking that the court wants it, or the prosecution, and honestly, seemingly the defense too, wants them to be done by Christmas, and mm. so that means by Wednesday.
1: Okay. That's my yeah, that's my gut feeling. I can't imagine them coming back unless they're really hung. I mean, unless there's like one person who just really thinks Glenn's innocent or guilty, depending on how it goes.
0: Wait, so if you're hung, you have to return next week? Yeah. Oh, well, then I guess I'll be in court on Monday. Well, they wouldn't Monday. say... Oh my god! So, anyways, today was uh, terrible—a bloodbath. Um, Wait,
1: question, what? question for Mr. Court Reporter. Before we get into the actual substance of the day, uh huh, let's talk scuttlebutt because I'm not there to get yes. the lay of the land.
0: Okay, yeah, good idea. How's the court look? Well, the court looked a little fuller than usual today. Okay. And not only because there was a lot more people there to actually attend, you know, a bunch of journalists and also just like regular people there to watch it, but the actual row. So ladies, ladies and, and uh, gentlemen, the, uh, there's, all right, so there's the defense team sitting there in front of some, some of these damn legal pews, I call them. Um, mm. And the first row behind them is reserved for friends and family. Now, in every day prior to today, there have been a trio of uh, dumpy lumpers mm. um, sitting behind Ghislaine and uh, her team. The trio is made up of Kevin Maxwell, of Isabel Maxwell, and of Leah Safian. However, today they were joined in a weird sort of – there was a big pattern there because they all looked sort of – this. the two men looked the same and the two women, of course, looked the same. But we are joined by Isabel's twin sister, Christine, and uh, Ian Maxwell, who is okay. not Kevin's twin
1: brother. Pause. But, mm-hmm. Christine. Yeah. Was she wearing a beret?
0: There was no. Ber- there was a sole beret that has been parked in the same place. It's always been parked right on top of Isabel's cronish head.
1: <laughs> so they were not in matching outfits.
0: They were not in matching outfits. No. In fact, I, you know, I needed you for this, and I, and in fact, I actually just. And I'm not even making a joke here. I kind of just went up to the women uh, and asked them how to describe what the women were wearing.
1: Oh, my God. And I got it's mixed so answers.
0: I think she was wearing like a – uh, what's a – it's like a sweater with buttons. Um, a cardigan? A cardigan, like a white cardigan. Mm. And I got to say, despite being twin sisters, Christine looks like she got a little bit more of the adrenochrome than Isabelle. Uh,
1: Interesting. Has. I feel like adult twin sisters have to dress in the same outfits.
0: Yeah, great garden
1: style. Yeah, I feel like if you, well, they weren't twins, but I feel like if you have, like, remember the old twin, the old lady twins in San Francisco? In San
0: Francisco? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I feel like if you are at a public event and you are there as twins and you're of a certain age, either five years old or 75 years old uh-huh. and up, you have to wear the same outfits.
0: And yeah, yeah. Sorry, my brain just automatically made me go,
1: Antwans. <laughs>
0: um, yes. And so anyways, I, I don't know if I described it well enough. In fact, I think I have actually described it several times. But Isabel Maxwell has been sort of being sinking into her bones. Like her bones are absorbing yes. her muscles and skin throughout this trial.
1: Mm, yes. uh,
0: Christine, less so. Um, well, she hasn't been but- here for the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. She has not. No. And I found it notable that Ian and Christine only showed up for this final day as if, you know, they might not want to see the uh, all the evidence against their sister presented. Mm. Now, Ian, Ian has given a lot of interviews on Ghislaine's behalf, but it's notable that almost all of them have really just revolved around her conditions in the MDC in jail um, rather than, I mean, they're, you know, obviously she, I think, I believe he does in fact, I do know that the family has involvement with the uh, real Ghislaine Twitter account and website. Uh, but Ian Maxwell's actual statements to the press have mostly, uh, if I'm not mistaken, revolved around uh, his sister's uh, human rights, let's say, uh, in, in, in jail.
1: Yeah, they haven't really spoken out, again, about her innocence, like almost at all, really. No. It's funny, brace. Um, just a little behind the scenes stuff for our listeners. Brace, as he got out, was like, "Hey, can you look up some stuff on the um, Maxwell sisters and on, you know, Ian and Kevin?" As I'm walking over for the show, and I was like, "Oh yeah, no problem."
0: It's like where just, they live and all that. Yeah, just stuff. pulling yeah.
1: some little some bullet points, you know, whatever. A little little color, as they call it in the biz. And funny enough, I was doing that, I promise. And then I got distracted because now. You mentioned Leah Safian. I did. Okay. So we, and we've mentioned her. Leah Safian is, of course, the woman who she's been in um, in the courtroom every day since mm-hmm. the trial started. She's very good friends with Ghislaine. By all reports, best friends, even BFF. Yes. I got to say, you got to be BFF if you're sitting. Second row, first – they're sitting in basically second row.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's first ro- – all right, so let's not get this started again. <laughs> the defense does not count as a row. They are no, at no, a table. No, no, I think
1: that first row was blocked off because of COVID.
0: Oh, no, I think that they're – no, they're first row. They are first row. No, well,
1: they're in the second row. They're in the second row.
0: Ladies and gentlemen
1: – You can't fingers. see their legs. They're in the second row.
0: Okay, there, there is a wall – Divider, any there's not just sit the you think the first row is just sitting there, like be able to kick the You could pass drugs
1: that way. Oh my god. Okay, anyway. (laughs) So Leo Safian. Okay, so also Leo Safian, best Mm -hmm. friends with Ghislaine, is also the woman who took the photo of Ghislaine at In N Out. Yes, allegedly. Mm -hmm. Now, the metadata from that photo. Said, um, I think Meadowgate is what the meta, meta, meta data, the metadata said, mm-hmm. and so that's how everyone kind of pieced together these things. Leah Safian is uh, CEO of a company called Meadowgate Media. Now, I was looking at this because I was just like going back in time, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember when we did all episode about this or whatever. Leah Safian. So on the like um, the Um, secretary, the state filings for the company it's CEO Leah Safian, secretary Leah Safian. Okay, totally normal. Chief financial officer Louis Van Amstel. And I was like,
0: What are the Van Amstel
1: clan? That's a weird name. Let me look that up. Louis Van Amstel from Dancing with the Stars. Oh, of course. No, this is like a Dutch uh like ballroom dancing like mega celebrity star so uh-huh. you're telling me that like this dutch ballroom star who has like 80,000 followers on instagram by the way mm-hmm. he's got like crazy tan tv man face did you look at the photos i sent you
0: i did yes and well the dutch are sort of notorious for making let's say making their faces darker
1: Yes. But like, imagine that. But then also for ballroom dancing on network American television. Yeah. It's like, imagine if Ryan Seacrest were Dutch.
0: Uh, I, I, what, okay. I'm, I'm imagining that, but I'm not sure what I'm supposed to, (laughs) okay. So, anyway, this guy, guy
1: imagine if Ryan Seacrest were Dutch. (laughs) You know where I'm going. Listen, I've got a little sick brain. Your brain's
0: been boiled by a fever, baby.
1: (laughs) So, This guy is the CFO of Leah Safian's media company, the woman who took Ghislaine Maxwell's In-N-Out photo. Now, I was looking, and I was like, there's no way. It has to be a different Louis van Amstel. And then I pulled up this article from July of 2011, Dancing with the Stars, Pros, Local Fitness, and Dance Classes. And it's all about, okay, Dancing eight of 12 seasons of Dancing with the Stars, Louis Van Amstel stays fit off-season with La Blast, a dance fitness program he created based on every dance form you can imagine. And then you scroll down, the the program features ballroom, cha-cha, merengue, disco, and more, helping people like Leah Safian get through knee surgery quote you find it in the first hour you've learned three dances salsa jive and cha cha and it only took about that first hour and i was hooked said safian so then i was like there's no way this is too weird she must the have been only... so good
0: at dancing that he was like i got to get in business with this this
1: thing. i know right well the only other thing i can find is that there is a lapsed trademark mm-hmm. that was filed in 2012, for the, uh, under the name Louis Van Amstel, and then owned by Leah Safian. And the trademark is for the slogan, If you can clap it, you can dance it. What? If you can clap it...
0: Yeah, I know. I heard you.
1: You can dance it. Can I? Now, as I am not at the courthouse and I'm at home, little Gumshoe mm-hmm. lives was scrolling through Instagram and found a photo of one Louis Van Amstel in a t-shirt holding not one, but two mini barbells yes, in pose. Well, not barbells, hand weights. Dumbbells. Dumbbells. I can see mm-hmm. Young Chomsky freaking out. It's
0: actually Young Tromsky's nickname.
1: Um, in a very tight Dutch-like t-shirt mm-hmm. that says, if you can clap it, you can dance it.
0: The trademark has lapsed?
1: It looks as if it's lapsed, yes.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, if you are a trademarking (laughs) type, now is your time to strike a blow against the Maxwell
1: clan by
0: stealing this brilliant trademark right under their noses. From right under their noses. Get the trademark.
1: Anyway, I'm very confused by this whole thing. And if only I were there, if only I were there, I could be in the elevator with Leah Safian and lean over. Say, if you can clap it, you can dance it. And then, you know, cough on her.
0: So one thing that the Maxwells and their, uh, their entourage of one have been doing is getting off of the wrong floor constantly. And uh, so I will. There's I will, not that many floors. There's really not that many floors. No. I'll, I'll ask. I'll, I'll query um, uh, Mademoiselle Safi any, uh, yes. about that tomorrow. Yes. Um, Yes. Christine, Christine was there today too. And Christine Maxwell, we did a whole episode on, on the Maxwell's. I think was that Jurassic high. The one that we did, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Jurassic high Christine Maxwell, uh, was also, and this has been sort of bugging me out because I forgot about that, but she was, uh, one of the people that was in charge of information on demand, the, uh, the Robert Maxwell company and thus likely maybe had some involvement in the, uh, if, Indeed, this is true. The selling of the Promise software. Well, we know he sold the Promise software with the back door in it. And so this is, uh, she is, she is, she's seen her in the mix today. I got to say, delighted me.
1: Mm. Um,
0: Because, I mean, if we're talking about people who've done spooky stuff, then this is a lady who is one of your prime candidates.
1: Now, you told me you scurried into the courtroom today.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I took a little glance. How'd that go? Uh, they made me leave. Um, I, it was – today was insane because there was people – I know people who got up. I mean, Marlon told me he got up at 4, 4 a.m. today to try to get in the courtroom and was unable to make it in because mm, –
1: Yeah.
0: Again, listeners, there are people who shall not be named but people who maybe have unlimited funding – From Mm. big companies that hire line-sitters to sit out To be
1: clear, they have been previously named. We have previously named them. And if you haven't been paying attention, it's not my fault.
0: Not my fucking problem. Um, So the line-sitters- you can listen to it. uh, Did get in. Um, I also uh, gave a rather deranged interview for a British television channel in which I claimed Ghislaine Maxwell is Protestant and said that she did not take the stand due to her Franco-British hubris. And so we will see if that airs. But- Beyond that, also I found out uh, John Peel apparently uh, dated teenage girls, which is something I would have to look into.
1: But, well, everyone um, else around him was. Yeah, BBC,
0: not a great track record. Um, but anyways, on to the closing arguments. Yeah, the,
1: the main show. So walk me through this because, like I said, I've only been able to follow along on Twitter and so I have a lot of questions so, about how it all went down, how it felt.
0: Miss Mo. Gave, I will say, and actually a a pretty good closing argument, quite Mm. frankly.
1: I'm happy Uh, they went with her and not Pomerantz.
0: Yeah, I'm, yeah, as as saying. But she, so I gotta say, it was structured a little funky. She was saying, I'm gonna give eight reasons why you should BuzzFeed listicle eight reasons why you should convict Ghislaine Maxwell, convince, excuse me, convict Ghislaine (sighs) Maxwell. But every single person around me, like, journalists all this stuff could not keep track of the eight. She didn't do oh, a very no. good job of actually keeping a list, and some of them were just people's names. Number number 3 was just the existence of Jane. That was the reason. Um but the way it went today is so we actually as members of the uh press, members of the public, and of course uh members of uh possibly some Mediterranean based intelligence services like myself we're not actually allowed to see any of the exhibits that they showed to the jurors, and so there was a lot of stuff that the jurors were shown today that we couldn't see. They didn't even they didn't even have like the fake like. Uh, sometimes they just like show like a seal instead of when when there's like a sealed document. We didn't we didn't see a damn thing. She goes up and she's like, Ghislaine Maxwell was dangerous. She was a grown woman who po- po- preyed on vulnerable kids, um, and sort of laid out this." Uh, Image of a woman who targeted specifically girls who had tough family lives, often without a father, and groomed them uh, in order to provide them to Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, the The first reason was, it was this is actually eight reasons you know Matt Maxwell is guilty, uh, and the first it really reason does was,
1: sound like a BuzzFeed listicle, <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> The first was Maxwell and Epstein were partners in crime that sexually exploited young girls together, and she was his right hand. And it sort of went on from that. Um, frankly, what they did, I mean, the, the actual – this was actually sort of the, the – the, I don't want to say driest part of the day, but, but with, the pro- with the prosecution, we already know what their case is, right? Yes we've heard the testimony, we've seen the evidence and they really, I, I, you know, the real thing today was they actually, I thought did a pretty good job of, of bringing it all together. Even though, even some of the stuff that you thought like, why are they bringing this up when it was Mm -hmm. actually introducing evidence actually came out pretty good in, um, in, in the closing arguments and sort of tying it all together.
1: So how, what do you think was kind of like the outlying ones, like the ones that didn't totally make sense?
0: Well, a big part of both closing arguments was Jane, mm-hmm. um, victim victim number one. Um, a large part of that was due to Jane's sort of previously inconsistent statements, which again is not uncommon with stuff like this. You mean at about all.
1: the timeline?
0: Timeline stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they did do a pretty good job of backing it up with documents, especially when she first met Maxwell. For instance, they brought out her first application. And then they brought out the flight records showing that Jeffrey Epstein was around right, the right, same time right. she was. Ghislaine got very fidgety during this. Interesting. Um, yeah, it was the only time of the day where she actually seemed really like sort of nervous. Um, mm. But uh, but it was interesting because I mean they were using really straightforward language to talk about Ghislaine, calling her a predator, you know, saying that she was feeding a guy to a pedophile. I think calling her a pedophile, saying she was a child molester. Um wow, and,
1: they really have not used any of that language before not even in opening statements.
0: No, they used really really strong statements here. Um and uh you know, one thing that they kept coming back to, which you know, I'll be honest with you, I didn't really catch during the trial because they didn't linger on this except for with Annie very long, but um they they the prosecution brought this up several times is that Glaine Maxwell was accused by either 3 or 4 of the girls of, of touching their breasts. Mhm. Um and they brought that up several
1: several mm, times. As so this was a new pattern that they were trying to lay, lay out.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um and so this was like this was basically saying like the, you know they were uh they were molested not just by Epstein but but Ghislaine was an active participant in this as well.
1: Did the I feel like in um like court movies and everything, there's always like the big zingers mm-hmm. that the you know you always want from a closing statement. Or like, what are the zingers? What are the one liners? Did they get any ones in there? You think that are gonna like stick in the craw of the jurors?
0: Well, I think one uh, one point which wasn't that like great of a line, but I think would maybe stick in the craw is if you believe Jane, then Ghislaine Gal- Maxwell is guilty on four counts, mm. and. I think the thing is Jane's story, yes, like there there're not holes in her like the core of her story, but there were some details that didn't add up. Well, you know, which is not again uncommon. Um but she she was I think very convincing. And so they were sort of hammering that over and over like if you believe this woman, then you think Galen's guilty. Uh one actual line they had that was really good is There's a lot of things you can say about a woman in her 30s groping the breasts of an underage girl, but therapeutic massage is not one of them. Oof. Yes. Um,
1: Yeah.
0: And they did a really good job of sort of tying together all of the victims because taken uh, discreetly, you know, of course there's holes in everybody's story because memory is fallible, right? Yeah, of course. Um, But taken together, you know, I actually thought, they did a really good job of having the 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 them play off of one another. It was it was I think a pretty good opening for the prosecution.
1: Yeah, I think that um, I I think the task in, in front of them was really like taking that Jane is kind of like the you know it, it, kind of the core element of their case. In that, like they said, it's you know counts for four counts, mm-hmm. but taking that as the like then how what's in her case reverberates through all these other instances, right? Yeah. And with these other victims and using that as a way to kind of buttress her her story. And I think that if they are able to kind of pull all those strings together in the in the closing argument and it sounds like you think they were effective with it, then that could be pretty powerful. Did they I have a question about how they addressed like Annie's story. Yeah did they bring up her specifically at all or did they bring up each of the girls individually or was it really mm. more collective or how did they approach that?
0: So they did bring up and part of their sort of listicle, they did bring up each girl individually. Oh, yeah, the listicle. Yes.
1: Um, you
0: know, they, they actually didn't spend, I think that long on Annie, although that's where I believe the uh, groping a underage, uh, sure. an underage girl line came from. Um but it, you know they they talk about Jeffrey Epstein bringing out Annie Farmer and Ghislaine's role in sort of grooming her in that situation really well. They actually summarized it really well because they talked about getting her acclimated to this touch, right? Like you had Epstein in the movie theater touching uh, Annie with Ghislaine on the other side there, and then he had Ghislaine massaging Annie, and then you had finally as a crescendo Jeffrey Epstein jumping into bed with Annie for quote cuddles. Annie denying, they they noted this, Annie denying that to Jeffrey Epstein and going into the bathroom until he went away caused Ghislaine to lose interest in her. And so we actually heard all that during the testimony, but hearing someone summarize it like this, Mm. I think was really effective.
1: Yes, that would make sense. Yeah. Well, I really want to get to the defense, but is there anything else you want to bring up about the prosecution?
0: So one thing that they talked about was the money situation, because again, we found out that Ghislaine Maxwell had been given $30 million over the course of about eight years from Jeffrey Epstein, I think from 99 to 2007. Mm, yes,
1: Eric Ghislaine.
0: Eric Ghislaine, yes. And the prosecution said, you don't give someone $30 million unless that person's giving you exactly what you want. and. Oof. Said something else besides that, but beyond that was like, you know, you give someone that money, like if you were engaged in these, this kind of activities together. Um, Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they go through the counts at that point and sort of lay out how, how Ghislaine is, uh, you know, guilty by each one of those. A lot of it, of course, has to do with enticing a minor and then conspiracy. Um, this was, uh, you know, this was sort of hard to follow on some counts because, for instance, on the conspiracy count, even though Carolyn and Annie were not actually abused in New York, Ghislaine intended that to happen um, by some of the grooming. I don't know if that'll hold up, mm. but we'll see if it does. They have to prove venue because this is happening in the Southern District of New York, so this, like these have to like, yeah. have something to do with New York.
1: My understanding is the burden of proof for the conspiracy charge is much lower. So, yes. you don't so you to prove intent, you don't actually have to prove that like in general with conspiracy, you don't even have to prove that a crime was committed. It's just that yeah. one intended to be and that there was a plan to do that. I guess the real question I would and I don't know if this came up with the defense or if they brought this up, but this would be um my question with the conspiracy charge is, is there enough proof that the first and like most, the like prime purpose for bringing these girls was the sexual encounter?
0: Yeah. yeah. Because
1: that's what they have to prove. Like that, the, that they were, that they were flown, like that was the, that was the like number one reason why, as opposed to any other reason why.
0: Well, that's a good point because they were very clear on. Listen, this was not about scholarships. This was not about helping girls, you know, right. get by. The only there was no criteria for scholarship. The only criteria here was to be a young girl who was pretty and had a bad family life.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, I think that,
1: that's very powerful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They they really flipped the memory, money, and manipulation thing too. by mm. being like. Well, Ghislaine seems to have no memory of her boyfriend of like a decade abusing underage girls in their home constantly.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, Bruce. Would you say they flipped what?
0: They flipped it. Did, I didn't did, say they flipped the script. I said they flipped it around on them. I'm not going to... Nope. Objection.
1: Overruled.
0: Sustained. Um, they, uh, they flipped it around and they said, you know, Ghislaine's manipulation. And of course, they talked about that $30 million as the money. And then we come to the defense.
1: Okay, so as I I want to give you my impression from Twitter because I'm not in the room, Mm -hmm. and so I'm very curious. Now, as I'm reading through the kind of live tweets, there's at least two guys that I'm following that are live tweeting these um, from the courtroom. I thought that the defense, which, okay, look, we've got manager up there. She's a frozen ice sculpture of a hawk. Mm-hmm. She's just like coming at you, but yeah. frozen. She's an ice queen. Yeah. With a, you know, bald eagle beak or something.
0: She doesn't, I mean, the good thing about Laura Menninger is she doesn't give the off the aura of a pedophile, which is good for mm. Ghislaine, but she does give off the aura of somebody who will throw your kids into a large cauldron and possibly put them in a stew of some
1: kind. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not, she really does have the culture vibes. Like
0: yes. yeah, oof. She's um, fit, which can she's be sexy. She's sixty.
1: Which- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was reading these and I was like, "Huh, these are feeling a bit. You know, they're getting in there. They're yeah. they're jamming up the machine. They're gumming up the works. I'm mixing metaphors left and right because you know what? That's what I do. So, brace. Walk me through it. What happened?
0: So I will say there were I would I would I would put the defense's uh, closing arguments into two kind of well there was the first part which I thought they did really badly on and then Mm. she really sort of gained steam towards the second half of it. Um, Menninger essentially goes out there and says that you know like Liz and I have been talking we it's unclear on what if they've settled on an actual strategy or if they're doing that just throwing everything the wall and see what sticks. And it was, I was very curious to see if that would actually like cohere into a, a coherent narrative for them here at the end. And it sort of, we had the shape of a narrative here, but we didn't, it wasn't filled out. You know, it's like buying a bikini and just hanging it up on like a weird hanger or something, <laughs> but there's no bikini babe in it whatsoever. So what they go and say is that essentially... This is all right it it was it was all over the place because they really just accused essentially of all of these different forces from um you know, they talk about money, manipulation and memory. They start with manipulation. They start talking about personal injury lawyers that were hired by the girls. Oh my God. Uh, they start talking about the uh the prosecution as manipulative. And they start talking about the FBI uh, as having basically uh, goaded the girls into pointing the finger at Ghislaine Maxwell.
1: Mm, Okay. Uh,
0: The prosecution, of course, is running the case, according to Laura Menninger, out of something out of a sensationalist tabloid, which is, I got to say, I wish was the case. The prosecution is not trying to make this into a sensation. Yeah, tempo. totally. They're trying to be like, nobody did
1: anything but Ghislaine. This is yeah, just yeah, yeah. Don't, don't look at anything else. Don't look over here. Don't look over there. Look right yes. here.
0: And so they really played off the loftiest thing by saying that these girls had all of these memories that may or may not be true about Jeffrey Epstein, but in the time since that he, he had, since, you know, uh, they originally either told their story of the FBI and especially since he died- They've actually magically inserted Ghislaine Maxwell into these narratives where she had not been
1: before. Mm. Um,
0: Now, this is actually not true. Several of the girls had mentioned Ghislaine Maxwell to the FBI in uh, prior um, statements they gave to them. But they're saying that essentially the, the FBI and the prosecution didn't do due diligence on this girl. So we're not like out here to be like, oh, you know, they're fucking liars. But unfortunately, the prosecution did not call them fucking liars. So we, we have to, we have to actually investigate these girls. And again, they don't do well during the first part. It is really like manager is like barking this kind of shit. I'm not trying to sound sexist here, but I'm just saying what she sounds like. Um, saying that they, you know, people, everyone's painting Ghislaine Maxwell, who she calls Galen, by the way. Yeah. Um, as Cruella DeVille, Mixed with the lady, or Cruella Deville and the lady wears Prada all wrapped up into one.
1: The devil wears Prada, Brace. Is that, that's what, I I am quoting verbatim. No, she would have said the devil wears Prada. I
0: swear to you, 1,000%. All
1: right, we need a court reporter. I cannot believe that Laura Menninger would miss the devil wears Prada.
0: Uh yeah, no, it is no, she she definitely said the lady wears Prada. I am not, because I had this confirmed by several other people because I I was like, well, maybe there's a movie called that that I don't know about.
1: How but weird. It's no the it's you the can't lady where the flub the big line. That's not even good. Well she's not flub- even a good big line.
0: <laughs> she she flubbed a few other things too. Um so This is, uh, I mean, all right. So she's accusing the government of finessing the case, but we're actually doing a little bit of finessing over here. If we're Laura Menninger, because she starts calling, she says a lot of really mealy mouth things. Like she calls Jane at one point, a fully grown adult, young woman, um, which seems to be, uh, very repetitive, but is also is literally describing a child. She's just describing, uh, the way that Epstein's pilot described her as, yeah. you know, remember he had said she had ample breasts and beautiful eyes. Uh, but they tried to really throw some salt in the eyes and some sand in the works, or however you want to pronounce it, gum up the works by really confusing the issue. So, all right, they're talking about how Jane had, you know, been uh, you know, molested by Epstein, was around him so much, but also her family was around him. She talked a lot about her family in, uh, in her testimony. And um, Laura Menninger was like, well, if her family was there and if her family could attest to this story, how come her family wasn't called to the stand? And you might be like, damn, how come they weren't? But then remember, her brother was called to the stand, but he oh. had told the court that he had communicated with, uh, excuse me, with Jane yes. because Jane had called Laura Menninger was... What, what was the word? Was it the C word?
1: It was the C word.
0: She had called Laura Menninger a, uh, well. <laughs> and.
1: um, I don't know why you said that. So like, <laughs> like you were like,
0: enjoying
1: I couldn't tell
0: you like if you a- if you'd get mad at me I don't know. People get weird about that. It's it like you are eating an
1: hors d'oeuvre or something. <laughs> <laughs> an hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> uh,
0: but oh how could, so, so they were like, well, if they could back you up, how, how come, how, you know, how come they didn't? But again, he was, he was going to, but then he basically had to be disqualified because Jane had texted him that the woman speaking at this moment was a, uh, a, a, a right cunt. And, um, so that there was that, and then they tried to say, okay, any farmer, right? Any farmer says this happened in April, 1996, that she spent a weekend, uh, on Jeffrey's New Mexico ranch, Zorro ranch with, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein. Now the defense is like, Hmm, interesting that she'd say 1996 when she was 16. However, Jeffrey Epstein's flight logs show that he did not go there during the weekend, or especially with Ghislaine Maxwell, at all during 1996, but that they did go there during 1997. Now, you might remember, too, that uh, Jeffrey Epstein had paid for a trip to, I believe, Thailand uh, and Vietnam for uh, for uh, Annie Farmer during the summer. And they say, well, Customs and Border Patrol here says that she actually, we have records of her reentering... From Dusseldorf in 1997, now you might remember from Annie Farmer's mother's testimony that Annie Farmer's mother was in Germany the same time that Annie Farmer was in Southeast Asia. So might she just be misremembering by a year? Now you might be like, oh my God, this is so crazy how they're tying this all together. But eh, eh, eh. later, the prosecution rebuts this with, well, Jeffrey Epstein shows on the flight logs that in uh, 20, uh, excuse me, in 1996, he flew there on March 29th and stayed through the next weekend. So kind of falls flat there. Mm, I see. Um, it was they, they did it the third time they tried to start they tried to say that uh, Sean, Carolyn's ex-boyfriend, who had also facilitated uh, not only Carolyn, but another girl's going to Epstein's house, had said that a woman with an accent... Uh, you know, would call him and arrange these meetings. And they said, well, he never mentioned Ghislaine. Well, that's because Sean said and Carolyn said that they called Ghislaine Maxwell because neither of them could pronounce the name Ghislaine. So, yes, they did never mention Ghislaine, but they did mention Maxwell. Mm. So a lot of real slippery language there.
1: Yeah, that's the, that's the job of the defense lawyer. Pretty, mm-hmm. pretty shifty. Smart, though. Yeah. So, do you think it played with the jury?
0: Impossible to tell because they, they, the prosecution during the rebuttal did a pretty good job of dismantling that. Although, I don't think they actually mentioned Jane's brother. Mm. Um, but they, they really demolished the anything.
1: Do you think there was anything that the prosecution should have mentioned during the rebuttal that they didn't?
0: I would say, well, so one thing the prosecution did do, which I was frustrated by, this was actually, I believe, during the opening part of the, uh, of the, uh, their closing the opening part of their closing statement so not the rebuttal is that they said that remember how they asked eva and michelle if they were the only evas and michelles in the whole wide world
1: yeah 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 well which is such a stupid thing Whatever. such
0: a stupid thing so the thing is it probably was eva dubin who yes, engaged in group sex of course with jane um and of course eva dubin on the stand said the it was
1: lying
0: of course yes that's the thing they're literally just lying.
1: Allegedly, but,
0: maybe. Uh, uh, I'm gonna, yeah, allegedly, maybe lying. But uh, they, they, prosecution basically tried to worm their way out of that uh, by saying, well, uh, Jane actually never mentioned their first and last names, so it could have been any Eva. And there's actually another Eva in the phone book, but like, no, I'm sorry, sister. <clears throat> it's Eva Dubin, yeah. the swinger, the Euro swinger, yeah. the Swedish swinger. Come on. So, you know, I will say they the, the defense did a good job of painting like Kate, I mean, Kate was kind of the, in strictly pre-legal terms, there was a lot of questions about Kate's involvement in this case just because it wasn't technically illegal. Right. Um but uh, you know, they do a they do a decent job of painting that Kate was still in touch with Epstein for until her 30s. Um but uh it it was it was they were they were struggling a little bit until they basically got to the point and they think you know this is very common for defenses to do during closing arguments where they're like think of the people who you saw testify like the victims essentially would you trust any of these people to help you make a big decision like having like heart surgery or buying a new house you know basically saying you need to be totally 100% sure of somebody in order to convict here and I think that actually, and which is obviously like defense is going to say that, but I think manager put it across really well, yeah, just in ter- purely in terms of like courtroom stuff.
1: I mean, that is a hard that's a big hurdle. Reasonable doubt is a big hurdle, right? Yeah. yeah, and I think especially in a case like this, where, like we said, a lot of the charges, like for example, the conspiracy ones or the grooming ones, kind of rest on. Not a like you know not a lot of like hard evidence um from A to b to C to D, whatever you know what i mean they're they're a yeah. little bit grayer, they're a little bit shakier. this stuff happened a much long a longer you know, yeah, stuff happened a long time ago, excuse me um that's a big hurdle, it's always a big hurdle, but it feels particularly large in this case.
0: Yeah, and they, you know they—they they said too. It's like you cannot conclude she's part of the conspiracy. I'm talking about the conspiracy charges because she visited Palm Beach and quote must have known, and that is true. Like I think legally you can't be like she must have known. You need some kind of proof that she did. Mm. Um, however, the thing is, if you're a human being, she must have known. She did. I mean, we know listeners to this show, and of course the host of the show, we know that not only did she know, but she was an active, willing, enthusiastic participant, and probably frankly kind of leading the charge in a lot of this yeah um but uh you know that's of course we're not the jury here so um yeah i think meninger finished sort of strong but i still don't think the whole thing was like you know taken as a whole i can't believe they didn't have bobby do it
1: well so question now we Uh get to the good stuff question whose whose decision do you think that was do you think that was gillane or do you think it was bobby
0: I, I frankly, I don't know. I think it was manager was like, well, you did the opening. I want to do this one.
1: No, I don't think it goes like that. I think I have a feeling that Gillane pulled rank. You need to
0: get the attack dog out for this.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe she didn't like the way Bobby, you know, too slow. She saw everyone's, you know, the way everyone took the Loftus, which Bobby, the only witness she exam or she like presented was Loftus.
0: Yeah, I think that she crossed a couple of people. Yeah, but, but
1: it was like tiny guys. It wasn't yeah. like anyone major, none of the victims.
0: Bobby could be a patent type where she's really sort of directing the troops and then mm, unfortunately dies. Absolutely. And, it's assassinated by but the American government.
1: Above Bobby, a tier above Bobby. Uh-huh. Ghislaine.
0: Okay, not true. Uh, so Ghislaine's a lawyer now? Because no. that would be how those tears work. Because that's tears of lawyers. You can't, you're mixing tears here. And there's about to be some tears because I'm going to describe to you the prosecution's rebuttal by Moselle Comey. And she went, it was very short, but she went fucking ham.
1: Yes, this is theater girl glee time.
0: Yes. I was shocked because this was the, sort of the most theatrical anyone had gotten, but it was. Oof. I got to say the reaction from the people around me was like, this sounds a little forced, but I think it was probably pretty effective. Um, she, you know, basically she said she rebutted several other things. Like I mentioned um, one thing that she did say that I think was funny was who needs, she, had, she was talking about how like all these lists of masseuses and stuff. She's like, who needs that many masseuses? Who needs that many massages? Like, Who needs like if you're a millionaire? How come you have
1: masseuses? So she's doing like a type five here. Yeah, she's doing her masseuse. What's the
0: deal with having masseuses if you're a millionaire that you have to call their dad to get them to come over? Which fair enough.
1: She's actually just auditioning for us now because everyone's out with COVID. Yeah, and (laughs) she actually open.
0: She was saying we molested kids together. She was calling the thirty million we molested kids together money.
1: Oh, Um, I was going to say that's. Okay, that's very funny, and that sticks yeah, in your brain. That was good. But her just saying we molested the kids together, which is what I thought you first said, was well not... no, she said
0: that to me in the hallway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, listen, this is only no. $20 for the ice cream machine. Um she but she busts down the Annie Farmer stuff. Um she, she's like, listen, in order she's basically calling the defense conspiracy theorist. She's like, so you're saying. That all eight witnesses who supported them, and all of their different lawyers, and all the government and the FBI all conspired together to get these girls to tell these stories, and these stories still have that many holes in them? Mm. They're like, these girls have to be telling the truth because their stories don't add up, which actually, fair enough, you know?
1: Now everyone's trying to like have- have it both ways on each side. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's like, yeah. yes, they are inconsistent because they're telling the truth. Yes. And yes. it's like, no, they're liars because they're inconsistent. Yes. Swim big Earl Burroughs. But
0: she did ask, and I think kind of rightly, it's like, well, like Sean and Carolyn, she, they don't get, a, you know, they haven't talked in a while. It seems like they had a pretty contentious relationship why is he getting up there and corroborating everything mm. she's saying? You know, yeah. like what are the exes getting? Even if you know, as the defense claims, the the victims are getting money out of this, which is categorically untrue. Um, then how is the? I mean, what, what are the what are these other people getting out of it? Um, and so they she closed on a very sort of fiery note, and and then that was it. Mm. That was that was it for closing, and we finished at I think three o'clock. Around that,
1: 3.05. And now we wait.
0: Yes. Yes, it was a long rest of the day, and I predict it'll be a long rest of the uh, two days, probably. I'm guessing two, Wednesday. Yeah, I
1: feel like Wednesday afternoon is my guess. Yeah. Unless they come back after the holiday, in which case that would be wild.
0: That would be wild, but I predict that should, shall not happen. Judge Nathan here seems to want to move things along. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was crazy too. They also like, they, sh- they, they showed us all the tapes. They said that, I mean, it was, you missed a lot of stuff today. They showed us a document in Hebrew signed by Jeffrey Epstein, Elaine <laughs> Maxwell, and the head of the, every head of Israel's intelligence, every single one of them from Shinbet to Mossad oh all God. together. Yeah. What? Um, yeah. And you know what? It was crazy because you know, I can read Hebrew. They were saying that actually it's a blue dress. You like? The, do you like that joke? No, wait, people I don't people get like. It. Is this dress blue or green or whatever? What? Yeah, yeah. You you feel me? The white and me? gold one. You feel me? Wasn't it blue and green?
1: It Who was white, white and gold two? versus blue. And black.
0: And black. And black. Well, listen. Wait. It's not my what? Fucking
1: problem. Oh wow! That took. That was. Yeah, that was great.
0: Listen, I got done and smoked weed today.
1: Look, my sick brain, like. Kind of tuned out for a second because I was, like, thinking I was coming up with a new, like, courtroom romantic comedy called Allegedly, Comma, Maybe.
0: Allegedly, Maybe is really good. It's cute, when right? What happens in Allegedly, Maybe?
1: I think it's, like, a meet cute with a marshal.
0: With a marshal? Okay. Jeez.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe Something it's, like, a live. hard-nosed, like, kind of girl boss who then, you know, softens up. Mm. I, with her client? No, I don't know. what That would be inappropriate. We got to work it out. Allegedly, yeah, I,
0: maybe. Well, I was thinking of one called 12 Horny Men. And it's a bunch of guys who are in a bathhouse case. they the jury. And they got to decide. But they're like, maybe we should try some of this poppers and this oil out on each other. Oh, man. Like, this gay shit. We should convict them all. But your musk is so... Oh, you smell so. Oh, your chest. Oh, man. And then they hook up.
1: That's awful. Okay.
0: Getting the uh, Young Chomsky is f- <laughs> very rare doing the hand yeah. across the neck motion for me. Okay. Well, listen. um Today was an interesting Just one. Say I your did name. also. I, no, I, well, I do want to say I met uh, Via Marlin, who has struck up a strange relationship with him. Uh, the, uh, lead investigator, like the private eye, essentially the private dick for Glenn Maxwell's team, a guy named James Harkins. And uh, I got to tell you a terrifying individual. Really? Freaks freaks me the fuck out. Yeah. An imposing and, um, freaky ex cop who, uh, I believe is kind of guy that if you have harmed, uh, Maxwell, then her team's going to send him after you. So look up all your little dirty secrets. If he was tailing me, I would just uh, grab that tail wrapper on my neck and hang myself in the nearest tree because he was a scary motherfucker. But anyways, we'll be back tomorrow. I'm Liz. My name is is Blaze Baldwin, the crazy Baldwin brother. No murders. We are, of course, joined by Young Chomsky, the producer, and the show is called True Anon.
1: We'll see you next time. Bye bye.